every experience that I've had where I think I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm not competent for this, magic happens. And those have been some of the best experiences that I've had with clients is when I feel like I'm tanking and then it happens. The connection happens, the, the trust or, or whatever it is, and then their tone kind of changes. In this episode of Praxis, I sit down with Ashley, a fellow graduate student, to talk about her practicum at a community mental health center. Ashley talks about how exposure to new and sometimes discomforting experiences contributed to her growth as a social worker, and how working at a community mental health center challenged her to be more aware of engaging diversity. For Ashley, studying social work at the graduate level and experiencing practicum at a community mental health center revealed skills and abilities in herself she never imagined. So I'll just go ahead and let you introduce yourself first. Okay, my name is Ashley Eubanks. I am a master's of social work student at Wichita State. I'm a mother of three teenage boys. I am a full-time employee, full-time student, hoping to graduate in May, fingers crossed. What led you to pursue a degree in social work? I got my undergrad in psychology because I wanted to do something that I was interested in instead of something that I had to do to make money. And I enjoyed every aspect of psychology and understanding people and their behaviors and things like that. So really didn't want to do therapy. One of my friends said, I think you'd be really good at it. You know, don't cross that off your list. And social work was so broad that if at some point I decided I didn't want to do individual therapy, I could go all the way up the chain into all of these different arenas like schools and corrections and community or organizations or, you know, it's the possibilities are endless and a lot of the other programs were very specific, like only therapy and only advocacy or social work just seemed to fit. And once I got into the program, it became very apparent that I absolutely made the right choice, that everything just clicked with what I really wanted to do and I knew it was the right thing. What experiences in the classroom have reassured you that social work was the right choice? I didn't know much about social work itself. I had a very vague idea of what it was. I thought it was just somebody who handed out assistance checks. To be totally honest, I really had no idea what all it encompassed. So. That was a big learning curve to catch up to. And, and a lot of people had social work experience that I didn't. So I was really green, I guess, so to speak. Um, we did a case study in our first semester. Dr. Roseworm made a comment about how did you know how she was feeling? Like in your paper, you assumed that you knew how she felt and, and went that way and it all turned out to be correct. How did you do that without any social work experience and you haven't done any therapy? I started to realize that the things that were natural about me and the way that I approach people and think about, well, I wonder why they reacted that way. I wonder what's going on. Well, I know this is going on, so that might have geared their reaction differently. And I think about all of those things just automatically, and they seem to be very beneficial as far as the therapy path that I want to go in social work. I get fired up, you know, wanting to advocate for people who I think are being wronged. And 
I didn't realize that that was a thing that could be applied in in a profession. So do you think that social work was a good fit for you or that you were a good fit for social work? Both. Social work allows me to utilize the things that come naturally to me. So I think my characteristics work well with social work and I think the social work arena benefits me to utilize my best skills because those are natural things for me. So a lot of that I didn't have to learn. That wasn't one of the things that I had to catch up with was more navigating the system of social work as opposed to understanding what I'm supposed to do in certain situations because a lot of it has been natural, which has been nice. So let's talk about your practicum because practicum is where you actually get to get some of those hands-on experiences and you're out of the classroom and some of those beliefs that arise in the classroom about this is what I think I want to do, it gets tested in practicum. Um, Where are you doing your practicum and what's your organization's purpose? I am doing my practicum at ComCare Crisis. It's a community crisis center. It's open 24 hours a day and it's for immediate crisis where if someone is able to safety plan with a therapist and go home safely, then they do that if they need to be connected to other resources um, that could help alleviate their immediate crisis. If they need to stabilize in a safe place, if they're homeless, if they're in a dangerous situation, there are units there where they can do that. It's also attached to the SAC Detox and Sobering Center. So if they come in and a lot of mental illness and substance abuse go hand in hand, they can go there and detox and and come straight back and talk to a therapist if they need to. All of the therapists are licensed marriage and family therapists, uh, professional counselors, master social workers, licensed psychologists, and then there are case managers there as well that support. And then there's the crisis hotline, which is 24 hours a day, where people can call and the case managers in, in the emergency services office, which is the ES office, can work on coping skills with people, de-escalate them, provide resources over the phone if they can't come in. If someone calls and is in crisis and they can't get there, we can send a cab for them. It's it's an incredible service, and it's definitely needed because it's, it's also incredibly humbling because to see someone walk in who has literally nowhere to go and no one else to talk to it's humbling to see somebody come in and admit that they need help and to ask a complete stranger for help. So that was something that I noticed very early on and and I appreciate and acknowledge in every single person that walks in there because I don't know if I could do it. Honestly, I think it takes a lot of guts to please help me, you know, because I have no one else to ask. It's awesome. When you started your practicum, what was what was the role and responsibilities that were given to you? In my foundations year, I did case management. So I was in the emergency services office or the ES office, which is the crisis hotline. The national suicide prevention hotline rings in there as well um, if the calls come from Sedgwick County. And it could be anything from child behavior to um, suicidal thoughts or psychosis, delusions, uh, paranoia, 
some people were very tearful. Some people just needed somebody to tell I'm going through a divorce and it's really rough and I don't have anybody to talk to and I'm a man and I should be able to handle this, but I can't. And they can talk to a complete stranger. That was challenging in itself because A, I didn't know what they were going to call for. So I kind of had to be ready to roll with whatever was on the other end of the phone. Um, also, they can't see you and you can't see them. So you have to figure out how you can engage with someone and get and gain their trust and build a rapport when they can't see your face. They can only go by your voice and, and you have to be pretty skillful with your words. I appreciated the challenge of that and took a lot away. I learned a lot about myself and I kind of had to be forced to be put in those uncomfortable positions. So that was an incredible learning experience. The other half of the practicum was in the crisis observation unit which is the COU. So if someone comes in and they need a little more support, they need a safe place to be for 24 hours, they can stay in the observation unit. And each client has a dedicated case manager that is solely there to work with them on their goals, what they want to get accomplished. If they want to work on coping skills or fill out a Medicaid application or look at options for housing, just anything that they need to work on. And there's actually several of our cohort who have worked in there. And that was kind of nice because I got the face-to-face, -face, whereas in the ES office, I didn't. And I really learned a lot in there. And that's, I mean, I think case managers have a really strong position to be that person. Not everybody wants to work and you can't make them, but I'm here and I'm ready. If you want to work, what do you want to work on? What can we do? How can I help you get the resources and, and the skills that you need so that when you leave here, you will be safe. Can you talk about going through class and learning about the importance of being competent and the importance of engaging clients and then actually being put into the field? And like you said, with the phone services, how you have to be ready to adapt and address diversity because you don't know what's coming across the line. And also seeing engagement as something that's not just the face-to-face -face interaction, but right. the over-the-phone. Engagement is so much more than just getting someone to talk to you. Because people can talk to you and not really say anything. But getting them to trust you and say, this is what my problem is. This is why I'm hurting. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. How did you learn to establish trust with those clients over the phone? I have never had a problem getting people to talk to me. Um, in fact, I have been waiting for the client that won't talk and I haven't found one yet because I'm, uh, I don't really quit and I will talk and fill the void. I had a client who was a young girl and this is part of the challenging part on the phone that really encouraged me was in those times when I panic and I think I'm not competent. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm going to say to this girl. I don't know what she's going through. I'm not going to tell her that I do because it wouldn't be genuine. So I just keep asking questions. I want to help you. Please help me understand what you're going through so I can, I can try, you know. And I kept asking questions and it was almost like double dutch where I just kept asking questions and I just waited for my in until she said something that I could roll with. And every experience that I've had where I think I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm not competent for this, magic happens. And 
those have been some of the best experiences that I've had with clients is when I feel like I'm tanking and then it happens. The connection happens, the, the trust or, or whatever it is. And then their tone kind of changes and then they start talking more. And sometimes it takes a long time, but when it happens, it's awesome. It is awesome. Um, so I have been encouraged to not to panic when I feel I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to blow this. I'm going to have to go get somebody else. Um, because I've had those experiences where it turns out to be awesome. So that's a lot of it is learning about myself and, and just having to be in those situations. Practicum is nice because you can be in the field in a safe place where people are teaching you it is the real world. It is the field. You are doing the work, but you still have that support and that kind of safety net, which is nice. Yeah, I would agree that with my practicum experience too, that I feel like my team has my back and it creates a sense of psychological safety for me mm -hmm. to um, try new things and to kind of get out of my comfort zone. Um, it's like training wheels. Yeah. And sometimes they remove the training wheels, but totally at just the right time. Mm -hmm. My supervisor will say, oh, there's somebody in the lobby. Why don't you go take them? And I was like, oh, okay. Like on the spot, but I, I don't really have a choice. And I need to be pushed up like that. And I know that. Um, I constantly seek out um, feedback. What are some of the ways that you've noticed your team intentionally giving you that support as a student to let you take on some of these challenging tasks that you maybe you don't have experience with, but you need to get that experience before you go out as a professional? Um, I... I know that I am, and I have been told by Brienne and my supervisors that I'm very aware of the things that I need to do to grow. I'm very aware of my deficits and the areas that I need to learn more. In fact, my supervisor said, you never talk about the things that you do well. I said, but I know I do those well, so there's no reason to talk about them. I want to talk about these things that I need to get better at. I went, this is a perfect example, I went to the jail and I was completely out of place. I had never been there. I was uncomfortable. I'm sure I looked uncomfortable to other people and I looked like I was out of place and I didn't like that at all. I didn't feel professional. So I told my supervisor, I need to go, I need to be uncomfortable because I'm not at my best if I'm worried about what I'm doing with my hands or how I'm standing or if I'm looking at somebody. I need to be exposed to that stuff so it gets more normal and I can manage because I don't feel like I'm effective if I'm worried about all of these other things. And he said, okay. So he sent me to Osh. He sent me to the jail. He was trying to think of all these things that he knew would make me uncomfortable but that I was more than willing to do because I, ha I knew I had to do it to get better. What would you say to the practicum students who, who are a little bit more hesitant than you are to lean into their discomfort and who maybe don't actively seek those experiences that they, that they know are going to challenge them to grow? Right. Um, it's the only place that growth happens. I usually associate it to 
my kids in sports. Nobody likes to lose. I don't like to lose either. I don't like to do a bad job or look foolish, but those are the times that you're gonna evaluate your performance and figure out what you can do better. So you have to fail, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to lose a game or a match. Otherwise, if you just keep winning, there's no reason to improve and look at what you're doing and see if there's a way that you can do it better. I just, I would encourage students to figure out what they're uncomfortable with because it's amazing to get over yourself, to get over those feelings. When I first started at Crisis, there was a client who's psychotic and he's a huge man. And every time I heard his voice, it made me nervous because I didn't know much about psychosis and he's so big and what if he lashes out? And the more I got to know him, the more I realized that he was a child in a really big body. And that's why he was so loud. And that's why he was so silly is because he was really an adolescent in a grown man's body. And once I understood him, I would go outside and stand and talk to him alone. And I remember being outside while he was smoking and thinking, this is awesome. Like it occurred to me that six months before that, I was scared to death to be alone with him. I wouldn't, I would never dream to be alone with him. But then I, it was, it was nice to overcome my fears. And there's, I think there's a lot of power in that. What advice do you have for the field instructors whose responsibility it may be at times to kind of encourage their students to lean into their discomfort? I think there's a way to do it without being forceful. Um, like if you think about people with phobias, with exposure therapy, even exposure therapy is done in small increments and with gentle prodding because if you force someone into something that is really going to trigger them or be traumatic, it's going to be counterproductive and you might lose them altogether. I would encourage open communication with your students. What, how do you learn best? You know, what pace do you want to go? I was not this person. I've discovered all of this through just in the last two years through my education. Um, because you have to do a lot of self-discovery. I mean, the, the coursework itself makes you identify what you think about things and makes you take a stand on things and encourages you to delve into things that you're like, I would probably never want to ever think about that. But for this assignment, I have to decide exactly how I feel. And I think a lot of growth comes from that because you're forced to face those things, which I appreciate now. I probably didn't at the time when I did the assignment. So now that you're in your last semester, what are some of the opportunities that you have that are new to you at your practicum? I am seeing individual therapy clients that are all mine, which is really exciting. They are voluntary. So just like the practicum setting where you can try things out without the fear of, you know, totally failing. I can meet with them and then consult with my supervisor and say, this is how things went. This is how I handled it. Is there a better way? Is there anything that I didn't ask that would be helpful? And that has been the most eye-opening because just in their work experience, they've seen so much more than I have. And Oh, well, in this one case, this is what happens. So you might ask this. It might be a possibility kind of thing. Um, their experience is outstanding. 
as far as catching me up, I guess. I have an adolescent therapy client, which I never considered working with children, but that she might've changed my life. Not because it's her, but because interacting with kids in, in a therapy setting and maybe more of a teaching role was kind of fit with me and I really enjoyed it. But the, the individual therapy, I absolutely love. I love it. And that's not what they do at crisis. My supervisor kind of geared my practicum experience toward what he knew I wanted to do. So I'm very thankful for that. And I, I have gotten to practice on those assertive, difficult conversations when clients aren't doing the work or are blown smoke. And I know that I can see their chart. I know that they've been in crisis three times since the last time we met, but they don't tell me. Um, so that practice and assertiveness in being professional, not being damaging, kind of dancing that line, it's all that practice has been unbelievable. What was it about the experience with the adolescent that you kind of discovered within yourself that changed your mind? I need results, and I know that. I don't plan on working at crisis in the future. I think if you're going to do therapy or anything in mental health, that crisis is an incredible practicum. It's not for everyone as far as a profession, but from not having any social work experience to seeing just about everything there is to see, kids, marriage, suicide, every mental illness you can think of, homelessness, all of it. It was an incredible education, but I don't expect that you would see a lot of results. There's a lot of people who are extremely mentally ill, who are incapable of staying med compliant, doing the things that they need because they are so sick. I could see myself on a fast track to burnout because I know that the way I operate, I think that the chances for positive outcomes and actually making an impact are better with children because they're not set in their ways. They haven't had, you know, 20, 30 years of experiences to contradict the, the new ideas or suggestions or perspectives that I give them. I, maybe it's just more hopeful with kids. I know that you have the added aspect of parents who are influential on the kids, but just like we have the support of our supervisors and our faculty, it's really appealing to be a support figure in a child's life, even if it's just as their therapist. You know, every kid should know that somebody has their back and that somebody supports them or is going to call them, you know, when they're out of line. And the more I think about it, that's where I hope to go. Not that I wouldn't want to work with adults. Um, I just, I know that I would probably not be my best if I worked with SPMI. Or, and some of the people at Crisis say, I know if they come in and I give them all of the resources and everything that they need, I've done my job. And I totally agree. That's not good enough for me. A lot of us go into our practicum and we want to find out what we're good at and what come out knowing what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And part of that is finding about what our limitations are and also what we know that we don't want to do. Right. Right. And I think that we could all benefit from having more focus on that and kind of going along with that is to lean into our discomfort because mm -hmm. we might find out that we're 
we have skills we didn't know about, but we still don't want to go. Right. Still don't want to go there. We right. did it, got the experience. We know that we're capable, but we totally. But you know for sure. Now I do that thing. Now I know. I've, right. I've been there and I've done it, and I know that this is really where my passion lies. Right. Earlier you said that you don't usually talk about what you're good at or what your successes are, but I want you to go ahead and take a little bit of time and don't be humble <laughs> um, and talk about some of your wins and successes at Practicum this year. Like I said, my therapy clients I'm very, very thankful for, and, 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 and I'm encouraged when I see their progress. The young girl that I talked about earlier, and I have talked about this in practicum class, was on the, on the, um, this would actually be my foundations year. This was one of those, aha, I'm so good at this. I'm going to do this forever kind of feeling. Um, it was a girl with amplified pain disorder and she was having a panic attack because she didn't want to go to her physical therapist and her mom called and said, I need help walking my daughter through an anxiety attack. This is what's going on. And she didn't want to talk to me. She's 13. She's in pain all the time. She has every reason to be mad. And I just kept pushing, okay, she doesn't want to talk to me. Can you put me on speakerphone? Which is a little intimidating because everyone can hear me. And I just kept asking her questions. My whole job is, is, is to help. Explain to me what you're going through so I can understand. And she's... A teenager and she's mad and she's in pain and there's a lot of things that she can't do anymore because of the pain she can't go to school anymore she's housebound I mean she had a lot um, not to mention being 14 or 13 is awkward and usually mad with all the hormone fluctuations and everything so I just kept talking to her and well what would you what would your perfect life look like if you woke up tomorrow and, and you didn't have this condition you know how would you be different what would you do different well I'd be in sports okay I have athletes this is my in here we go because up until then it was I have no idea what I'm doing I, I don't know anything about her I have boys I don't know anything about teenage girls but I just kept talking I just kept asking questions she said she wanted to do track all of these physical you know activities and I said those are really physical. She said, yeah. I said, well, those they have coaches, right? Yeah. Well, your trainer is like your coach, and your trainer is going to help you get to where you need to be so that you can do those things. Um, I have athletes. My husband's a coach. The coaches make their kids do stuff they don't want to do all the time. They're tired. They don't want to. They want to go hang out with their friends, but everything that they're doing is going to be beneficial to their ultimate goal. Your trainer is like your coach on a team. She's going to get you where you need to be so that you can do those things. And then her tone kind of changed. And when I realized that she was listening, then I went full-on cheerleader. You can do this. I know you can do this. This time's going to be different. Will you call me after your appointment? Because I really think this time's going to be different, and I want to hear from you afterwards. Will you call me afterwards and let me know how it went? She said, yeah. And they called back. And they said, well, Ashley asked us to call back. And they, I said, so how did it go? She goes, it was good. Whereas when I started with her, it was, no, no, that doesn't work. I'm always in pain. Everything sucks. I don't like this. That was just a huge, like, yes, it might have been temporary. Everything might have fallen apart after I got off the phone with her. But it was, I, I changed her 
perspective for that day. And I haven't gone back into her file since then. She has returned to school. Um, she has not called the crisis center since then. That was a year ago. Um, so that was incredibly encouraging. Those, I don't expect to be life-changing. If I can point out a perspective to somebody that maybe they didn't see before, people do it to me every day. And you're going to grow from it. That's what I want to be. I don't want to fix anybody's life, but I want to be there and support them and give them ideas and perspectives and help them get where they want to be. And what's nice about the student therapy is that I can tell them, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. I don't know how to do this either. You know, we're going to learn together. The, the little girl that I work with wants to work on self-esteem. I said, you know what? My self-esteem is not super great all the time either. So we can learn how to do this together. You know, maybe I can learn something too because I'm not an expert. What are some of the factors in your practicum setting that you think are helping it be a meaningful experience? Uh, the diversity in the clients, in age, lifestyle, background, experiences, all of it. Um, the reality of it all, because I felt like I had lived in a bubble my entire life before I started at crisis because there were things that I saw in the first week that I didn't even know honestly were that real. That really happens. That that happens here in Wichita. And just exposure, I don't think that you're going to get that kind of exposure to so many things at any other practicum. Because it's it, it really is the whole community. And that's been very beneficial as well as all of the therapists have their own approach. And I've been able to shadow all of them and kind of, again, see what I do want to emulate and what I don't. Or the, maybe some practices, not that they're illegal or wrong or anything, but just that's maybe not how I would handle it um, and being aware of it. I've learned a lot from having that variation in therapy in therapists as opposed to just following one person and learning their style. So that's been awesome. And my supervisor is incredible. He doesn't look at the world like anyone else. He looks at everything almost like a math problem which I think is fascinating. I asked him to be my supervisor because I wanted to learn from him and my mind is blown at every supervision. Well, did you think about it this way? No, <laughs> never occurred to me, but I welcome that kind of stuff. I want as many tools in my toolbox as I can get. Thinking about the experiences that you've had in practicum, what suggestions might you have for new students who are new to social work like you were and they're also new to the practicum experience. I remember my interview with Brianne where she said, is there a population that you absolutely don't want to work with? Is there someone that you would hope to work with? And I would take that interview very, very seriously. Um, if you say, oh, I don't care, you know, put me wherever, and they put you somewhere where you're really uncomfortable, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to change that, and you'll be stuck there for a year, and you're not going to benefit from that experience, especially if you're somewhere where you're super uncomfortable. Um, if you don't ever plan to work with refugees, you should probably say that so that you don't go to, is it IRC? IRC? Yeah. Um, I, but I didn't have a background. I literally had no idea what direction I wanted to go. So I told Brian there was, there really wasn't a population that I was aware of that I didn't want to work with now. I would probably say SPMI would not be my first choice because honestly, I know there are people out there that are better at it 
and more knowledgeable and would choose to do that. I'm not that person. So to really take those questions seriously in your practicum interview. Because so you're not always going to get where you want to go. Walk in prepared, almost like a job interview. Yeah. I took it as a job interview. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't prepared for some of the questions that she asked. But at the same time, looking back, I didn't have a preference. I kind of left it wide open. The reason I got sent to crisis is because I have a full-time job. And I needed somewhere that had nights and weekends. And there's not a lot of places that do that. So it kind of worked out best. But that's where I ended up because I have kept my job through my education. What's your advice to field instructors to make sure that they're fostering growth in their students when they're placed with them? I That's a good question. I've had great supervisors, so I don't think there was a big cause for concern. And because I'm constantly seeking to improve, that doesn't leave a lot of room for me to drop the ball on any uh, aspect of my practicum. But when we did our presentations on practicum, I saw her taking notes, and that would be something that I would definitely suggest to field supervisors is to take into account the feedback of the students, uh, which I think Wichita State absolutely does. Maybe the, the supervisor thinks it's going great and the students are not happy, or vice versa. Because I know she's always looking for new, interesting places for practicums, which I think is very helpful. Practicum placement can make or break what you decide you want to do so it's kind of a delicate balance but it definitely needs to be an open communication very honest between the instructor and the student what do you hope you're doing as a social worker five years from now five years from now i hope to have my own practice my own individual psychotherapy practice i'm assuming it's going to take me three and a half four years to get my clinical license which is my plan and I would like to be in business by myself and supervise people getting their clinical license. I w I'm hoping to get a job in therapy and grow my skills to the point where I can be on my own. That's the ultimate goal. Therapy was not my goal when I first started all of this, so who knows? And I'm totally open to that. Tamara and I had talked about starting a nonprofit for youth development through sports, which is what my colloquium project is on which that would be great if we wanted to do that too. So I could end up in individual therapy or I could end up at nonprofit because she is macro community engagement and I am micro and one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and we would get the best of both worlds in that, in that arena. My husband's coached the entire time we've been married and what sports does for kids is really incredible and the life skills that it teaches and confidence and independence and all of that. If I would have the opportunity to be a part of something like that, I would absolutely go for it. So who knows? You're a social worker. Right. I could go anywhere. You'll, that was the goal. You'll be prepared. Yeah. So how do you think your practicum has prepared you to be successful when you're looking down the road five years from now? It's kind of like you remember the first time this happened. All of my firsts happened at crisis. My first one-on-one, -on -one, my first suicidal child, you know, I mean... All of the firsts and to experience those in a safe place and not really being solo and isolated and having all of the pressure on myself, I think it's been wonderful to develop my skills that way as opposed to throwing me to the wolves and training myself and 
I have all of this experience and all of these professionals who are more than willing to guide me and give me suggestions and lend me their experience and let me bounce ideas off of them or I can come out in the middle of a session and say, I really don't know what to do. And, and they're ready to give me feedback then, or, Hey, I'm going to go on a mobile. Have you been there? Come try this. Have you done this? Well, you should look into this. Do you want this? I mean, the opportunities have been awesome. Um, so probably the losing the fear of trying new things has probably been the biggest thing that I've gained. Like doing this. I probably wouldn't have done this two years ago. I'd be like, oh, no, I'll be nervous. I don't want to talk. And now it's not a problem. Like a, yeah. a tremendous amount of, of growth over the last Yeah, I can't imagine that just knowing you from, you know, oh. like two years now. So If you remember the presentations that we had when we first started class and I'm up there with my shaking paper and I forget all the words and... <laughs> So it's exposure and practice and um, just learning about myself. That's awesome. Has been, it's been great. Even if I didn't go into social work, just everything that I've learned and the growth that I've had as a person throughout this process mm-hmm. has been incredible. I think that this interview has been incredible. <laughs> and I want to give you a huge thanks for absolutely being interviewed and telling me these stories that you've had from practicum. And I hope that all of my technical side goes okay. <laughs> because it'll be really terrible if I'm not able to share this. Oh, we can just do it all again. Yeah. But yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for asking. Thank you for listening. And I hope you found something to take away from this interview. Whether it's inspiration to step out of your comfort zone or increased excitement for your time and practicum. If you have questions or feedback about this show, or maybe you want to talk about social work or anything, I invite you to start a conversation with me. You can send an email to podcastpraxis at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Praxis Pod. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you'll join me again here on Praxis. Until next time, goodbye.